Hey, everybody, and welcome back in to Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me. Jimmy Stein, that's him. Jimmy, how are you today? Good. You? Oh, oh I'm real good. I never know what you're going to do because you know I have to come up with, like, my own live read right after I introduce us. But Correct. sometimes you are so excited, just yep. bubbling with enthusiasm, that you go off on your own thing, and I can't stop you in time. And then other times when I ask you how you're doing, you're like, good. And then there's a dramatic pause, and I don't know if your internet went out. But the un- having the unpredictability, that, the unpredictability is what go. makes the show. Thank God I've had my Built Bar this morning. BuiltBar.com, B-U-I-L-T-B-A-R.com, Built Bar. They're delicious. I really like the pineapple upside down cake. I really, 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 really like it. Um, but they have all kind of other flavors that are just awesome. And, and they're just, they're, they're a surprise. They're just so good. And it's so much better for you than, say, like a Cliff Bar, which has got, I'm not, I'm not, don't quote me on this, but an asterisk by it. I think Cliff Bars have 442,000 uh, carbs per unit. I might be off <laughs> by, by 442,000. I'm not sure. Plus or minus 442,000. Um, but built. Built Bar does not. They've got like seven carbs. What are you kidding me? I get that's nuts. I get seven carbs. I get I get seven carbs just breathing air. That's just, that's how much I love carbs. Um, but anywho, builtbar.com. Go check them out. They're absolutely delicious. Use the code Locked On to get ten percent off your order. Unbelievable company. Unbelievable people. Also want to thank uh, uh, Nico Sports and IKCOSports.com. And their Tua Tungvalu football promotion. Part of the proceeds go to Make a Wish Foundation of Alabama. Go check them out. It's a full-size football. You know all about it. Full-size football with all the Tua Tua Tungvalu stuff on it. All his accolades, and you know, I think it's got stuff on there like when he won the third-grade spelling bee. Look, if your last name's Tungvalu, you're winning spelling bees. I'm telling you that right now. But all right, so Jimmy, um, I don't know how else to start this because. All right, look, I, I was in Baytown, Texas yesterday. Uh, I flew into Houston, then drove over to Baytown to do some work, and then flew back, I mean, drove back to Houston last night, spent the night, got up at uh, 3 this morning, and I'm almost to Auburn, Alabama right now, driving back from Atlanta. Um, but everything is so dominated by what happened in Minneapolis, and it, it's probably rightfully so, um, that there isn't a – there's a lot of news on that front, but it's it has taken away from some of the other sports news, obviously, which is understandable. Um, but man, it's it's been a thing. It's all even the sports channels. I've been trying to listen to um, Sirius XM College today and to ESPN, and there is nothing but George Floyd talk. Again, I get it. I'm, I understand it. Uh, it's just it's kind of odd that, and I think somebody said this best that in the middle of a pandemic, a worldwide pandemic that has killed, what, 200,000 people at least, um, that that this is the dominating sports story because it is such a big issue. And um, wow, that makes it seem very, very powerful. And frankly, as I talked about on our sports bits programming on Saturday, um, as a middle-aged, uh, middle-class white male, I'm I mean, I don't really know how to address any of it except to say I acknowledge it, I see it, um, but I I do feel like all the time I have to parse my words with this 
because um, at the same time, I don't, I do not think the uh, <clears throat> that particular police officer was uh, an indication of police officers everywhere by any stretch of the imagination. But just because you say that, it's okay to also acknowledge, hey, there, there is definitely some biases in, in some uh, public institutions that I think we can all acknowledge. And that's the only way I know to say that. Well, while it's true that uh, it's true that uh, the vast majority of, uh, of police officers across the nation are are good people, do a good job. Uh, what what happened isn't representative of all of them. That's uh, that's 100 percent true. But you have to remember who, who this person is when, uh, you know, a police officer works for the government. It's the local government, but that's the government. So it makes it really really powerful as opposed to just random citizens that might do things illegal or wrong when a police officer uh, wearing that uniform and on duty does something wrong he is acting for the government and it makes it it makes it so much worse for minorities to feel like the government their government is not only mistreating them but killing them uh, and what, what's really moved me, Luke, out, out of all of the things to be moved by, both good and bad, is the fact that there are protests happening as to what happened to George Floyd all over the world. There are large protests taking place in Australia, New Zealand, Germany, the Middle East. All people showing up saying what happened to George Floyd in America is wrong and they have to change it because it's been going on for way too long. So... It's a powerful worldwide movement. And for me, I would just like to see something happen. You know, you'll never prevent it. It'll never go away. No one's going to snap their fingers and this is 100% gone forever. But this doesn't need to be in vain. The government at both the federal, state, and local levels need to make changes in policy as to what those are. I don't know. People smarter than me have to come up with that. But this can't be in vain. There has to be changes made to make all groups in the United States feel safe, you know, uh, in the streets. And uh, so hopefully, hopefully something like that will take place. Some some change that uh, that the country will uh, will accept at the federal, state and local levels. And this is locked on Bama and we don't want to get into a whole race relations thing on this and plus i mean as i just said jimmy and i are two white dudes who talk football which is mostly played by african-americans which i mean it we know our place we we know what we are i mean we're we're not we're not we're legitimately not we're only football experts because of how much we watch we're not football experts because of how much we played i i didn't play in high school my, my high school team didn't have a football team but i would have played if it had and you didn't play in high school football, to my knowledge. Um, nope. So, I mean, <laughs> we, we we can't really go into this whole race relations thing, except I would say, you know, the one thing that jumps out into my mind is, okay, that it's sort of like you, you can't – it's hard to force people not to be – a racist is a racist, right? It's hard not to – it's hard to make somebody not be racist when it's in their DNA. I think a couple of things that need to be done is we, we need to have better grounds for what makes a person a racist. And I think we also need to be have pretty clearly defined boundaries about it. Like, um, for example, that police officer, uh, God, I can't, 
and thankfully, you know what? I'm happy I don't ever remember his name. I'm happy I remember George Floyd and not that douchebag's name. I have, I'm happy about that. But so um, I think, and in his case, obviously he should be he should be tried for murder. There's no doubt about it. In 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 my mind. Now, if you are in a position of power, say in the police force, and you do something racist in terms of uh, you know, in the same day, let's make a very clear example to work this out, that you stop a white guy for speeding going 15 miles over the speed limit, and you stop a black guy for speed limit, uh, for speeding going 15 miles over the speed limit, and you give one of them a ticket and you let the other one go, I think you need to be reprimanded for that. And I, in the end, all, the only way to really root this out, to me, what I'm trying to say is, you have to you have to prosecute a guy like whoever that cop is. You have to fire people if they're working in the hotel industry and they decide they don't want to give a, a, a room once they find out a guy is black or whatever. You, you have to fire those people who act rudely um, or, or in a racist manner in any sort of a line of work. But well, I'll tell you what, where I, I think it is kind of a sticky wicket. And, and I don't, again, I don't want to get into this whole thing, but since we're on it, did you see the lady in Central Park the other day who threatened to call the cops on a very, a very charming black guy. I mean, like he was, the black guy was with his sister and all he said to the woman was, Hey, you need to put your dog on a leash. Just like that sign right there says, put your dog on a leash. And she was like, if you don't leave me alone, I'm calling the cops and telling them I'm being threatened by an African-American. And he's like, call them. I'm videoing you and I'm videoing me not threatening you, but feel free, you know, it's a, go ahead and call them. So she did, and then she gets in trouble for, you know, obviously uh, what she did. And then uh, wherever she was working, Edward Jones or somewhere like that, they fired her. And I guess, you know, if she had done that on the job, I would say, yeah, she should probably be fired for that. But if it's sort of weird because I, I, I don't know. I, it's, it's, it seems like a stickier wicket to me. Like if you ever I, – I hate that we go back. And use all um, and use all of people's personal lives from X amount of time ago to determine right. whether or not they should have a, a livelihood going forward. And um, that's the other thing. You know, did you see in Birmingham they tipped over the statue? I guess there's a statue in Lynn Park of whoever the guy Lynn was that did Lynn Park. I don't whoever that guy was, and he was like this philanthropist, and he he did some other really good things. But I mean, I think he may have been. Uh, some kind of uh, officer in the Confederacy. Somebody said, like, at one point for a very small amount of time. But does that mean we can't – does the fact that he was an officer in the Confederacy for some small amount of time, assuming that's true, does that negate anything good he ever did ever? We can't – we've got to paint him as a racist forever? Um and see, that's that's the other thing that's hard about it. This this George Floyd thing is not a sticky wicket. That that cop needs to go to jail, and it also needs to be more of an impetus for uh, reform in the justice system in, in in certain avenues. There is no doubt. But it but then you know through all the looting and rioting, which again I kind of get when people get pissed off and they don't think you're listening to them, they get pissed off. They start doing things, and I'm not saying it's the right thing to do. I'm just saying I understand it. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm not excusing any uh, violence, especially violence toward people. Uh, of, of any, I don't excuse it. People that commit those acts hopefully will be found, arrested, and prosecuted. Even if you damage property, uh, I think you should be, if, if there is evidence that, that such and such person did it, then they should be arrested and prosecuted. That's against the law, too. Only thing I'm saying is, what 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 do what does that community in the United States have to do to get our attention? Because this has been going yep. on forever, and nothing is ever done. And their frustration is 100% understandable. Further, a lot of the rioting, uh, rioting, vandalism, and looting isn't necessarily being done by black people either. Because we've all seen a lot of video evidence that it's not just it's not just black people doing that in these. In these giant protests, as a matter of fact, a lot of the protests themselves are, are it, it appears in some video to be almost majority white. So, again, you can't blame one entire segment of the population for the acts of some, just like you can't say all cops do this. You know, <laughs> that's not true. Most do not. So. Anyway, there can just be some meaningful change enacted, and uh, that, that's what I want to see. I want to see change come of this, and that this all isn't being done in vain. And listen, and for those who, who have, um, you know, probably painstakingly sat through this random conversation from two middle-aged <laughs> white dudes, um, we appreciate you, number one, we do. But number two, you're probably saying, how does this have anything to do with Locked On Bama? Well, most of our players in most of our sports, are African-American. So, yeah, it does affect the University of Alabama, the SEC as a whole. It's, you're going to see – I mean, there's, I've already seen – I think it was um, the, the defensive lineman on our team, Young, who, who came out and said, hey, I'm waiting for a statement from Alabama about all this. And then just as he tweeted that, I think, like, uh, the president and Nick Saban both came out with a statement just coincidentally. It wasn't like, oh, they read his, right. like, oh, shit, we've got to get a statement out. But they – and so he was like, okay, that's, that's good. I'm glad they put something out finally, you know. And I kind of get that. And, you know, you were talking about the looters thing. i got to bring this up because it was kind of – I mean, nothing pointed more to, I think, what a lot of people are screaming than this right here. I'm, I'm a guy who, you know, whenever, the, the term white privilege is probably thrown around a little too loosely. I think it's definitely a thing, but I think it's thrown around a little too loosely. Thank you, Twitter. Um but there was a target that had apparently been looted and there was a white woman leaving like the shattered glass doors. She looked like she was wearing something that she was going to pick her grandson up from soccer in. And she was casually walking out of target with a lot of shit. <laughs> and I guarantee you there was no receipt and she was just casually walking out and there's video of it. And everybody were like, Hey, you know, why is nobody tear gassing her or you know, jumping on her ass? In fact, I think somebody went so far as to say, oh, that, that looks, is she an employee? They're like, no, she's just so comfortable with the fact that nobody's going to think she's looting, that she looted with relative ease. Yep. <laughs> I mean, yep. and, and it sort of made me go, okay, that, there's, there's some white privilege. I can't really, yeah. I'm not exactly sure what it I'm is, but that's it. I'm with you. Uh, I, I'm with you. The term is used uh, way too often to describe way too many over-encompassing things. But uh, after uh, Ahmad Arbery was shot in Georgia, and the excuse being 
he was suspected of stealing stuff, suspected of stealing stuff by the racists who shot him dead in the street uh, to demonstrate white privilege. A couple of days after that, a guy on purpose, he's like, watch this. And he videoed himself. And I think he was in California. It wasn't in Georgia uh, where the guy was, but a white guy. He videoed himself jogging two miles oh, that's right. in the middle of a big city <laughs> carrying a television. He's carrying one of those lightweight, expensive HGTVs, and he's carrying it. And the only thing people ever did was smile and wave. No one stopped him to say, where'd you get that TV? Certainly no one shot him dead. <laughs> but, yeah. I so mean, it is you know what? How many people probably looked, how many people looked out the window and goes, there's old Ted, that dumbass, doing this new crazy workout. <laughs> this is the new. This is the new thing. It's the new fad. Carry your TV while you work All right. out. All right, Jimmy, we're going to take a break. When we come back. I promise we're going to talk some sports. Oh, wait a minute. We don't kind of. We do take a break. Um, for number one, I'm not supposed to say we're going to take a break. I need to learn not to do that. But I didn't have a good segue from uh, all this talk to Built Bar. So I'm just going to say Built Bar is awesome. Listen, if there's one thing that makes us all come together, it's Built Bar. Built Bar is delicious no matter who you are. It, uh, it's, again, pineapple upside down cake, my favorite. But I had one, like when they first sent me the sample box, it was like it had like an orange, chocolate and an orange flavor. Do you think, oh, that's not going to go together? Oh, my God, did that go together. They also have a lemon blueberry, which is magical. Uh, Built Bar, BuiltBar.com. Use the code Locked On. Absolutely delicious. So much better than all these other little pseudo health bars out there. This and I think Built Bar is got like they're like, look, we we got a few carbs. We we got seven carbs, man. What do you want us to do? We got carbs, but we also are, are healthier for you. And compared to the other bars that you may be eating, thinking, okay, I can, you know, they said the Snickers. Then it has so many fewer carbs. It's awesome. Built Bar, builtbar.com. Absolutely delicious. I promise. Jimmy and I both love them. Go check them out. Okay, yep, they're so, good. Jimmy, let's, let's do talk. A little, let's do talk a little sports here. First of all, as I'm about to get into Auburn, uh, Pat Dye passed away yesterday. Um, you know your feelings on that? Uh, well, you know the, the rivalry is so intense, and 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 when Pat Dye was the coach, even beyond when he was the coach, and he had such great influence over at Auburn, it's so easy to think of him as oh, he's on the other side, he's on the other team, he's an enemy of Alabama for whatever that means in this context. But, you know, uh, I think as a whole, uh, a fantastic head football coach by any measure, he completely built the Auburn that became nationally competitive was built by Pat Dye. Uh, I think there's just to some level, maybe Alabama fans should take some level of pride in that a, a Bryant assistant uh, had the level of success that uh, Pat Dye had. Uh, and then he became sort of a, 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 you know, not necessarily a spokesperson for the league, but he's just so much a part of league history uh, between his relationship with Coach Bryant and his time at Auburn. Uh, I, I think of him as an icon and a legend. Uh, doesn't mean that that he has to be uh, uh, one of our favorites or anything like that. It's just a, a, a tip of the cap and a nod to wow, what a what a great head football coach and. Uh, Certainly appreciated his time helping Alabama Alabama win games uh, when he was an assistant here, and we've seen lots of pictures of uh, of Coach Bryant with Pat Dye, and, and clearly you can tell from the look on Coach's face that he uh, he liked Pat and admired him. And noticed that uh, in the media, uh, Ray Perkins 
Bill Curry and Gene Stallings, all who coached against Pat Dye, uh, have nothing but but really great things to say about him. So uh, prayers to uh, his family and his loved ones, and uh, just a shame that another legend of the SEC has passed. All that's true, and he certainly did a lot for the Auburn-Alabama rivalry. Um, he was he came around at a good time for Auburn, too. Um, I would say that if – I mean, there are probably very few coaches that could have taken advantage of the demise of Bear Bryant the way he did. Now, some other teams might have been able to catch up because, I mean, it just would have been natural to catch up a little bit, but – Pat Dye came in around, and he, he, he instilled this toughness. Uh, you know, in his third year, they go 11-1. and one. His first year, they're, you know, they're, they have a losing record. His third year, they go 11-1. and one. Um, he, he made his mark by staring Bryant dead in the eyes, and that's what he tried to do to make sure his team knew that, that he wanted them to be tough, and they had to be tough. Um, but he also did his ta- – you know, he did things like take a lot of shots at Alabama every chance, every ta- every chance he got, got. He seemed to take shots. Um, and he really did give Auburn that mentality of us against the world, I think, which they still embrace today, which they love. I mean, all their fans seem to love that. Like, it's, it's everybody's pick, always picking on poor little old Auburn, and they seem to put their arms around that. And, and I mean, it works for them. Um, and I would give Pat Dye the, the credit for fathering that whole mantra. Um, you know, and it's, it's funny, too, that winning – it goes back to winning will make you forget anything. I mean, Pat Dye got Auburn in trouble. Um, he had players that sometimes would be in trouble. I still pretty infamously remember Jeff Berger, what, he pull a gun on somebody at a crystal or something right before a game, uh, I think against Florida, maybe in 87 or 86, somewhere in that neighborhood, maybe not in there somewhere. And he, Pat Dye said, all right, we're going to suspend old Jeff. He ain't starting this game. Reggie Slack comes in, fumbles the first snap, and then Berger comes in. <laughs> it was very reminiscent of uh, of Nick Saban with DJ Hall. You know, DJ Hall suspended for this game. Uh, we need DJ Hall in this game. <laughs> he <even laughs> forgets Louisiana Monroe. <clears throat> but, um, you know, he was uh, – I think you're right. I think he was what most people believe to be an SEC coach. To be, I mean, that, that's what they think SEC coaches are. Their country is cornbread, but they're down to earth, salt of the earth. Um, they're tough, they're hard nosed, and then you know here comes Steve Spurrier, and he sort of changes the game in his own right. So, um, yeah, I think the SEC definitely lost the legend. I'm like you. I'm not. I'm not going to pretend that I'm in tears. At the same time, I respect what he did for for Auburn, and I respect what he did for the SEC, and and i got to give him props for uh, helping the SEC be as, become as dominant as it was. He's not the catalyst, but he certainly didn't hurt anything. You know, like some of these other coaches, maybe part that Auburn has had, like uh, Tommy Bowden, yeah. He's so, part of it. <clears throat> Terry Bowden, sorry, not Tommy Bowden. But anyway, um, and then Wes Unseld died today. Hoops. You know that? The hoops guy. I did know that. Yeah, I did, I did read that this morning. <laughs> They call him old, old Wessie Hoops, according to Jimmy Sime. <laughs> well, it was just like a sudden, yeah, thought, that was a sea change. I don't, I don't think that's an Auburn guy. So. <laughs> it's not. I just I heard it on the radio and thought, man, you know, it's, 
it's wild. I thought you were about to. I thought you were about to fly. I thought you were about to fly into recruiting, and then instead you're still in the obituaries. <laughs> yeah, this really is like our own little personal uh, newspaper today. I mean, we're, we've got the headlines of the, the, the world is literally on fire. Then we've talked about the obituaries. I guess next I'm going to read a Far Side cartoon to you or something. This whole year has sucked ass, frankly. Twenty twenty started with Kobe dying in that helicopter crash, and things have been worse uh, every day since. I had a I had an idea for the paper because I was saying the same, and this is before the Pat died, died, and and Wes Unseld died, and I said, okay, here's what we do. I think just because, you know, we can't just start. We can't just start saying that. Um, okay, j- forget the rest of this year. It's just 2021 from now on. That'll screw all our everything up. What we can do is say every month is kind of cut in half until we get to. Uh, well, we could say okay, we're starting over. We're going January is right now. January 2020 is right now, and it go, but it only has 15 days. And then, then you go February with 15 days, and we cut them all in half. And then by the time we get to December 15th, it'll actually be December 15th. And then we're right back on course, and we get through 2020 a little quicker because everybody's confused by the calendars. And then 2021's here before you know it. Yeah, you just confused me. <laughs> all right, no, what I'm saying, look, like right now, instead of June 2nd, Right now, with January 2nd, 2020 again. Like, all that shit that's already happened didn't happen. Forget it. And then tomorrow's January 3rd. And then by, when January 15th comes around, the next day is February 1st. And then you do that for 15 days. Oh, God, it's signing day. Oh, God, it's signing day, and we have six commitments. <laughs> that, oh, I forgot about that. Nick Saban's going to be going – he's going to be losing his shit. Why have y'all not contacted recruits? They're like, Nick, this is just some new calendar shit they just came up with. He's like, you need to be prepared. <laughs> yeah, we do I'm only have six commitments. <laughs> we do only have six commitments, and now our quarterback recruiting seems all jumbled. It's not. I don't think we were counting on Miller Moss, who, if, if people didn't know, is one of Alabama's highest rated quarterback targets we were in his final four he commits to southern cow yesterday not really a big surprise um you know i wasn't sure what he's going to do myself but but it wasn't shocking that he's going to stay home uh and, and play out there and then alabama offered a quarterback much closer to home a quarterback from starkville mississippi last night is a really good player I, luke altmeyer I, I liked him all along He's underrated, uh, and I, I felt that even as a guy who's from Starkville who committed to Florida State, and I watch his tape, and I'm like, why did he in the national top ten? Um, but anyway, Alabama offers him last night. If, if, if we have a shot of flipping him from Florida State, that's news to me, but uh, interesting that Alabama would offer a new quarterback on the same day that Miller Moss commits to USC. What about Jalen Milrow out of Texas? I mean, you know, at one time it seemed imminent for him to flip. Well, at one point, I mean, this is this is where we were, according to sources close to the program. At the time we took Drake May, we could have taken Jalen Milrow. So we chose Drake May. When Drake May dumped us, apparently we went back to Jalen Milrow. And sometimes it's like a, a girlfriend situation, you know, where where, you know, you're choosing between two girls. You, you, you choose girl B over girl A. Girl B dumps you and you go back to A and say, oh, I think I made a bad mistake. Sometimes A throws throws soup in your lap. 
and it's it's understandable. So that that, that happens in recruiting. So you wonder, maybe Jalen Milrow uh, wasn't a big fan of our decision to uh, take Drake May instead of him. So may, maybe that has something to do with it. I don't know. But uh, I would just say the fact that Alabama offered uh, Luke Altmaier last night uh, is uh, it could be taken as a sign that we don't feel so good about Milrow. Could be. I think we need a quarterback or maybe two in this class, though, don't we? Agreed. I think so, because I, we only have three and, and one of the two. I mean, it is – I mean, I'm not saying this will happen, but but the coaches are a little panicky like this. It, they, they, they don't just sit back super confidently and say, oh, don't worry, all the bases are covered. They don't. That's not the nature of what they do. But just picture this. Uh, they go through fall camp. Mac starts the game, plays really well. Bryce Young's like, crap, Mac's good. I can't beat him out here. I'm not going to play here. And Mac's just a junior. He can come back next year, too. So Bryce leaves. And then when the season's over, Mac Jones is one of the highest-rated quarterbacks in the nation, and he's already graduated. And then Mac leaves. Then what the hell? So for, for the, for, and I know it's a, that, that's not going to play out that way. I don't think it will. But I assure you who's going to worry about it, and that's the coaching staff at Alabama. They have to be prepared for that to happen because even though I'm saying it won't happen, it, it's, it, that's not unrealistic to think that Matt could go pro early and Bryce could get frustrated that, that he's not playing quickly. Uh, those things could happen. So for that reason alone, I think it's imperative that Alabama signs at least one quarterback in this class, and I would like for it to be a good one if possible Though I realize that Bryce's presence, Bryce's presence makes that very difficult to get a highly rated quarterback, uh, just just for for Bryce's presence alone. Yeah, and it's, it's really a screwy situation either way. Because think about it like this: think if it plays out like you said, Mike Matt Jones is awesome, and then he, you know, he's like, "I'm so good, I'm going to be in the top ten of the NFL draft. I'm out of here." And meanwhile, Bryce Young's already potentially transferred because of how good Matt Jones was, which I don't think that would happen, but let's just pretend. Then we'd have no quarterback. Um, and we also lose Devontae Smith. We'll lose Jalen Waddell. We'll, we'll lose Najee Harris. We'll lose Brian Robinson. Um, four of the we'll offensive linemen. Three I mean, or four of the offensive linemen. Yeah. I can't tell. See, that's why I'm, I'm sort of – like, okay, this is why I want to play Bryce Young so that at least we have a starting quarterback coming back that you can feel good about it. But part of me is like, hey, but what if what if somebody said Mac Jones will definitely win you a championship this year, but then next year you don't – a lot of shit's up in the air. I guess I would take the championship, right? I'm, I'm, I'm just nervous about – the summer of 2020 has me nervous for 2021 for a couple of reasons. Number one, the, the iffy quarterback situation. Number two, the – parlaying off that quarterback situation see like when when everybody comes back how how do we know anybody's gonna have a good right. feel for everybody we saw Bryce Young throwing the other day but wasn't that film from California of him throwing it was recent film yeah it, it was it was filmed from the but last few days but it was in California yeah but it was in California he I, I believe he's in Tuscaloosa today I believe so if he's not in Tuscaloosa okay. today okay. he will be sometime this week and he has okay. been in Tuscaloosa I know that he has been in Tuscaloosa this spring. He has been there. Now, how long, I don't know, but I, I know he's been there. But he's worked a lot with his private quarterback coach in California, and we still film that. I watched that film, and, and, and for a lot of people, they can watch it and not learn much. And 
I'm not saying you can learn everything from watching a workout, but I'll tell you this, I've seen workouts, I've seen quarterbacks. It was, it was really impressive. Everything about his, his skill set is, is very impressive. Let me put it this way. If you watch that and, and you're not impressed, now go ahead and admit that I love Jalen Hurts, you love Jalen Hurts, we all love Jalen Hurts, but if you saw Jalen Hurts do the same drills and the same At the same thing, age. At the Bryce, same age. At the same age. You would say, oh, my God, that guy has a better shot at being a punter. That's how much of a difference <laughs> there would be to me. Because right. I think Bryce Young is that much better of a passer than Jalen Hurts. Polished. I think Jalen Hurts is a He's winner, polished. a gamer. But, but Bryce Young is much more polished. Now, can he win like Jalen Hurts? I don't know about that. I'm just saying, yeah. you know, based on what little evidence we've seen of where we can compare them to at the same age, Bryce Young seems a lot better. So, yeah, he's just real polished at, at a at a young age, you know, uh, and and that's what's what of of so many impressive things about Bryce. At the top of the list is, you know, how polished this kid is, even when he was in the tenth grade. But yeah, the tape I saw, he did not look like a high school senior uh, in the workout tape at all, based on everything from his footwork, his athleticism, how quick everything is, the arm talent the accuracy, the zip on the ball. This kid shakes every box, except he's not very big. But uh, on the tape, on the tape, I thought he looked obviously bigger than what he was when he was playing his last season at modern day high school. I know it's only been about probably seven months since his last high school football game. But to me, he looked noticeably larger, particularly in his lower body, which is really good news yeah. because that's ultimately where your size, where your where your size eventually comes from, uh, and uh, I, you know Bryce, you know he's never going to be tall, but in twenty twenty you don't have to be. Hey, the, the first pick in the draft was a five foot ten guy just just two years ago, so two drafts ago, so you don't have to be six four anymore to be the best quarterback in college football. Yeah, and you know what, Jimmy, and maybe this is me being hypercritical because every time I look at myself in the mirror, I want to throw up um, because I always feel like I'm fatter than I actually am. It's not like I've got – I just I, – I've got this thing about looking at myself and always thinking I've got a, a belly. And the thing is, now I actually do, so it makes it even worse. But um, when I was looking at Bryce Young, I was like, you know, he kind of he, he kind of looks a little – not pudgy, but like – thicker around the waist and I was yeah. trying to decide if he if that if it was good weight or bad weight or or just you know COVID weight or what but either way I was like okay this is kind of a good thing because he yeah. needs that he needs weight of any description exactly exactly yeah to me I took it as a good thing I agree that uh you know it might need to be distributed better but you know what he hasn't worked with uh he hasn't worked with Ray and Baloo you know, all salt spring either. He's just been home. So the fact that he's been able to gain, I think is good. And, and then they'll work on it, you know, when he's back uh, in Tuscaloosa and the, the formal workouts with Alabama's conditioning staff begin next Monday. Uh, so they, they'll have time, uh, you know, basically two months before fall practice uh, presumably starts. So uh, no, I, I thought it was a good sign. I thought everything about that workout video, uh, was an A plus everything about it. I watched the whole the whole thing or the whole you know the whole video that was released to the public. All right, buddy, that's going to do it for us today. I uh, want to thank everybody over at Built Bar again and Nico Sports. Go check them out. NIKTOSports.com. Tua Tungle Football. We're talking about Bryce Young. Well, the current number one 
quarterback in, in all of Alabama hearts is Tua Tungvaluwa. You want to go see that football at NIKCOsports.com. It's got Tua's image on it. It's got all his accolades on there, all his his prizes and his awards and his achievements and all that cool stuff. And it's only $99. Part of the proceeds go to the Make-A-Wish Foundation for the state of Alabama. Go check them out, NIKCOsports.com. Use the promo code Locked On. So, Jimmy, that'll do it for us today. We'll be back with another podcast on Friday. And roll tide, everybody. Roll tide.